2: It's the Tom Hartman Program. we got a lot to talk about today. First of all, I want to start out with exposing what I think is probably the single most toxic and corrosive meme to come out of the Republican Party. It, It started in the 1950s, and I'll share the details of that. Basically, it's that once citizens believe that a nation is a republic but not a democracy, it suddenly gets easier for strongmen to limit majority rule voting so that only the right people can vote. I don't know if you caught President Biden's speech yesterday, Louise and I did. We were actually driving when we heard it. The speech I thought was brilliant. He said exactly what needed to be said, and if you miss this speech, it's worth going to YouTube or WhiteHouse.gov or wherever, you know, and and just watching it. It wasn't particularly long. But what astonished me was uh, we were listening to CNN in the car on Sirius XM for the speech, And as soon as the speech ended, uh, the guy who sounded like Jake Tapper said to some person, I have no idea who it was, uh, said, well, what do you think? And that guy said, well, it's not going to change anything. And I'm like, what the hell? You are shooting down our president and our aspirations for democracy in America. You're taking the side of the Republicans before even seriously discussing the issues. Honest to God. I was so pissed off, I, I changed the SiriusXM channel from CNN to MSNBC, where they were actually having a thoughtful conversation about what it would mean if Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema were to change their minds and say, okay, you know, we cut a hole in the filibuster just two, three weeks ago to get the debt ceiling in abeyance so that we could keep the government from shutting down. We drilled a hole into the debt ceiling when donald trump wanted to appoint neil gorsuch to the supreme court that was a permanent hole they drilled in the filibuster it used to be you could use the filibuster to stop appointments to the supreme court mitch McConnell did away with that harry reid had done away with a hole in the filibuster that allowed the appointment of lower court judges and members of the president's cabinet because when president obama came into office The Republicans were filibustering pretty much every single one of his appointees and all of his court nominees, including Merrick Garland. So I mean, we have this long history of holes being drilled in the filibuster. Donald Trump's tax cuts were passed by going around the filibuster. But you know, apparently on CNN, none of that mattered. So anyhow, it it just made me crazy. So we can talk about that too. But I want to start out with my daily rant today from HartmanReport.com. It's titled "Exposed: The Most Toxic and Corrosive GOP Meme Ever." It really, and truly is. Over at the Heritage Foundation's website, uh, Bernard Dobsky is uh, headlines his article with this this old chant from the John Birch Society. I remember this from the 1950s, right? And then the 1960s. This was the John Birch Society's main shtick: "America is a republic, not a democracy." Yeah, it's a memorable slogan. They've been using it since the 50s. That and the other thing from Senator Joe McCarthy when he said, don't ever call the Democratic Party the Democratic Party. Always call it the Democrat Party with emphasis on the rat. And that was, you know, in 1956 when, uh, as I recall, when uh, Joe McCarthy said that. And now Fox News does that full time. You know, that's all they do. And uh, you know, let's call it the Democrat Party. But this meme that we are not a democracy has really taken hold on the Republican side since the 1950s, and particularly since Donald Trump's election. Why would that be? Well, because if you're not a democracy, then the vote doesn't count. Right? Democracies are where the majority rules. Now the fact of the matter is that we are, or at least arguably, a democracy, and a republic. The founders of this country were very clear about the fact that they were not reinventing the Greek democracy, which only lasted for 47 years, where the where the leaders of the country were drawn by lottery. And, and so, you know, the, the consequence of that was that that uh, because the leaders were drawn by democracy, by lottery, uh, it's the same way we do jury duty. I mean, can you imagine if every member of the House and Senate was put into place by jury duty? Not a good thing, right? It, 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 <laughs> jury duty is fine, but that would not be a good thing. And that's what, that's what Greece did. And so, you know, everybody in the you know, when they were writing the Constitution, they were saying, well, we're not gonna do what Greece did. We're not gonna be a pure democracy. But we are going to be a representative democracy. We are going to be a constitutionally limited rep- representative democracy. They just said it very very clearly. And I'll give you some quotes on that. But, you know, Rand Paul last week came out and said he t- told this to the Washington Post he said the idea of democracy and majority rule really is what goes against our history and what this country stands for. No it doesn't, Rand Paul. <laughs> it doesn't at all. I mean, you could say technically he's correct. Because from 1798, when we became a constitutional democratic republic, until 1965, black people couldn't vote. Women couldn't even vote until 1920. So, you know, you could say, you know, arguably, we historically were not a democracy. But, you know, that was not this ultimate idea that we are not a democracy is not the way that it was supposed to be set up. You know, uh, for centuries before our Constitutional Convention, the words democracy and republic were essentially interchangeable. The founders wanted to differentiate us from the Greek pure democracy. This was a, a letter from Alexander Hamilton in 1777 to Governor Morris. He said, A representative democracy where the right of election is well secured and regulated and the exercise of the legislative, executive, and judiciary authorities is vested in selected persons chosen really, and he Italicized, really, and not nominally, and he italicized that by the people will, in my opinion, be most likely to be a happy, to be happy, regular, and durable. But then comes Senator Mike Lee, who last week was tweeting, "Democracy isn't the objective; liberty and peace and prosperity are. We want the human condition to flourish. Ranked democracy can thwart that." The Republican Party. Here you've got two Republican senators talking like Viktor Orban. I mean, you've got, there are countries that are republics that are not democracies. (laughs) There's a bunch of them. You know, Hungary is no longer a democracy. You know, you can vote all day long. You're not going to get rid of Viktor Orban. Russia's no longer a democracy. Uh, Kazakhstan is no longer a democracy. I'm not sure they ever really were. Belarus, it really actually was a democracy for a while democracy failed for a while in ukraine and then the orange revolution happened where people got out in the streets and kicked out what's his name koroshenko or poroshenko or whatever his name was kicked him out and now they've got an actual elected president you know it's now a democratic republic you know back in the 60s in 1964 at the at the republican convention nelson rockefeller tried to bring this up but the john birch society's mantra which is Republic, not democracy. He said, it's essential that this convention repudiate here and now any doctrinaire militant minority, whether communist, Ku Klux Klan, or Bircher. And as soon as he said Bircher, they started chanting, Republic, not democracy. And so he had to pause for a minute, and then he continued his sentence. He said, which would subvert this party to purposes alien to the very basic tenets which gave birth to this party. Precisely one year ago today, I warned that the Republican Party is in real danger of subversion By a radical, well-financed, and highly disciplined minority, the methods of these extremist elements I have experienced at first hand. Now, this was the guy who would go on to become Richard Nixon's vice president, Nelson Rockefeller, a Republican. And he was booed off the stage in 1964. That was when it happened. Now, this use of the Democrat Party slur that Joe McCarthy recommended back in 1956, Ronald Reagan did it uh occasionally but he did it most frequently in 1984 when he was running for re-election same with George W Bush he would occasionally do it usually he'd refer to it as the Democratic Party but when he was running for re-election in 2004 it's all he said was Democrat Party and now the damage has been done republicans now believe that democracy is a bad thing not a benefit or even the foundation of our democratic republican system of government they think our constitution was written to protect us against representative democracy not to institute it and they view democrats like you know Joe Biden yesterday asking mansion and cinema to fight for democracy they view democrats like that as quaint and naive i mean the framers of the constitution didn't think that but that's where we're at today quaint and naive if we fail to keep to keep and make voting safe. If we fail to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act now, we are going to end up in an autocratic state like Hungary or Russia. Is that what we want? It's clearly what the Republicans, or at least some of these, at least Mike Lee and, and Rand Paul want. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And I gotta tell you about what's going on over at Fox News. It is bizarre. I've got to tell you about this this, uh, situation over on uh, Fox. I'm not even sure that's the right word. I mean, this is is just, well, here it is. It's our Fox so-called news alert. Tucker Carlson lying last night, or actually on the January 10th edition. That would be two days ago. On his Fox News primetime show, Media Matters is reporting about this over at mediamatters.org. If you want to read the whole story, get the links, watch the video. It's all right there. This was the second time in less than a year that Tucker Carlson has quoted Infowars, Alex Jones's website, which in and of itself should you know, shock you. Alex Jones, the guy who just lost a lawsuit because he was claiming that at Sandy Hook, those children who died and the parents who were mourning them were all just actors. That Alex Jones, right. So Alex Jones and, and his uh, Infowars guys did this uh, hidden camera video in which a guy talks who looks like he's perfectly healthy, but says, hey, I've got COVID. And he's talking to a nurse and says, uh, I want to get the monoclonal antibodies. He's a young guy. He's in his 20s or 30s. And she says to him, and I quote, if you were 65, you'd be good to get the monoclonal antibodies. But nope, you're healthy. You have no medical conditions. So research shows you should be able to fight off COVID. That sounds pretty straightforward, right? I mean, monoclonal antibodies are insanely expensive. It's like $2,000 a dose. And you save them, and there's a shortage of them around the country right now. And so you use them for people who actually have a risk of dying or ending up intubated or hospitalized. This guy was not hospitalized. He was just sitting there being normal. So this guy, his name is Smith. He goes on Twitter and he says, I was denied medical service because of my race. And then Infowars, Alex Jones's website, puts up a headline. Literally, this is what the headline reads. Texas HHS denies monoclonal antibody treatment for whites. Says only available for, quote, high-risk ethnicity groups, end quote. Which literally is not what they said. They didn't even mention ethnicity groups. In fact, if you look at the Texas HHS website, it doesn't once mention race or ethnicity groups. And Tucker Carlson, not only played this, played this clip, but he even cut it, he cut it off before the nurse even had a chance to say, you're young and healthy, therefore you don't need it. He made it even look worse than Alex Jones did. Why would Fox do this? Why would they poison the dialogue in this country? Why are they trying to destroy our country? What is Tucker Carlson up to? You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. I mean, this is not a mistake. This is a lie. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com Hartman with two ends. Or enter the code Hartman, the two ends, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the Chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash
3: Hartman.
2: back in the day when uh, Donald Trump was president and he was saying uh, we got to get the meat workers uh, the meat packers slaughterhouse line whatever uh you got to get these people back to work and now it's like the the one thing i think he used the defense production act for well a number of those people died as a result of being forced back to work and they've got a lawsuit moving through the courts and there's some real interesting turns in this i wanted to to, to get the whole story here. Adam Pulver is with us. He's an attorney with Public Citizen who has been uh, participating in this case. Adam, welcome to the program. Tell, tell us
4: about uh, what the Eighth Circuit just did. So the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, which is a court of appeals for much of the Midwest, held that, uh, rejected Tyson's arguments where they claimed that they cannot be sued uh, as a private actor uh, for the deaths that happened in April and May of 2020. Uh, Tyson claimed that They were simply following federal directions and keeping open during the pandemic, and therefore they were immune uh, for all uh, state law claims based on their their negligence and failures to protect the workers in that plant. Uh, So so the case now is going to go back down to state court in Iowa, where the families of, of Four workers who died uh, in April and May of 2020, uh, after Tyson refused to shut down its plant, refused to implement screening practices, and, and lied to workers about whether there was COVID in the plant. Can um, now be, their families can now bring their cases for negligence and wrongful death.
2: Are they Are they acknowledging that they actually did lie to workers and and. I mean, have they acknowledged the facts and they're simply claiming we're immune and therefore you can't come after us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or is this going to move to a phase where they're going to start denying the, the, the quote, facts of the case?
4: Well, well, some of the facts they've acknowledged. So, for example, this was the case that some of your, your listeners may remember. Uh, some of the managers at Tyson placed bets on how many workers at this plant in Waterloo, Iowa, were going to die of COVID. And, and Tyson did conduct an internal investigation and, and did acknowledge that that happened um, and claimed, you know, that was there were these rogue managers. And of course, corporate had nothing to do with that and couldn't have known. Um, so wait this, wait a minute. That
2: that you get, let me get this straight. So you've got a couple of managers sitting around going, I bet 20 bucks the the fat guy is going to kick off before the skinny guy, that kind of thing?
4: I think they just took bets on numbers, total numbers of how many. Um, I don't think they picked which workers, but yes, right. they they sat around and and and, and had a pool uh, as to how much uh, who was going to get the closest to the number of workers who were going to die. Wow,
2: which of course suggests that they were knowledgeable of the probability, not just the possibility, that their policies were going to cause these people to die. Um, exactly. And,
4: and, and as you said, this is now now this is just the beginning of the case, Tyson. Now uh, the only only thing the Eighth Circuit held is you weren't you know acting under the directions of of the federal government when this happened. Um, so now Tyson will will continue, and they've hired you know one of the most expensive lawyers in the country to make sure that they press every possible defense and, and fight tooth and nail to prevent these families from getting justice.
2: What could they have done? I mean, here you had the President of the United States basically uh, saying these people had to get back to work. Uh, Tyson, I I don't know. Were they direct recipients of Defense Production Act demands, or did they just go along? And and, and what should they have done instead of what they did do?
4: So so it's actually... um a common misconception that the Defense Production Act was actually ever triggered as to meat packing. All that happened was at the end of April of uh, 2020, the president had issued an executive order telling the secretary of agriculture to use the Defense Production Act if he deemed it appropriate. Uh, And uh, both USDA at that time, or the Trump administration, and has been confirmed um, by the current administration, is that the DPA was actually never deployed as to meat packing. Uh, So they loaded uh, the gun and never shot it. Correct. Uh, And even then, this executive order was uh, not until April 28th. And uh, unfortunately, all of the workers in our case had already died. Um, Three of them had died. One was in the hospital as of that date. Uh, And Tyson actually did shut down this plant uh, in Waterloo on April 22nd, but it was too little and too late. By that time, over a thousand workers at this single plant had contracted COVID, uh, overwhelming this small town in Iowa. Uh, And they had they could have shut down earlier. Um, they were asked to by the uh, the county and the state uh, had sent many letters, and, and the Black Hawk County Sheriff asked them to shut down the plant, and they refused. Um, we know that they also transferred workers from another plant uh, in Iowa that they shut down, where they shut down the plant because of a COVID outbreak, um, but they didn't do any screening. Um, they just let those workers intermingle with with the workers at the Waterloo plant, uh, despite requests for masks, despite requests for facing uh, and, and and they just ignored them uh, we also know that they uh, refused uh, they encouraged workers to continue to work when they were Sick and symptomatic. Uh, there were reports of workers throwing up on the line and being told, "Oh, but you think you can work? I bet you can work," and, and things of that nature. Um, and you know, they also get financial incentives for you not to to stay home if you felt sick. So, so there's a number of, of things that Tyson certainly could have done um, to protect its workers. Um, and you know, uh, maybe they would have uh, been able to contain the virus. But you know, meatpacking is one of the most dangerous industries in america before the pandemic and the pandemic only highlighted that
2: yeah oh, man. we're talking with adam Pulver. He's an attorney with public citizen citizen.org um, and at public underscore citizen on twitter adam what's the what's the larger picture here what or is is there one i suppose would be the the way to put this i mean if this case goes against tyson does that mean that other companies other corporations around the united states that failed to protect their workers when they could have and should have uh, will be vulnerable to lawsuits is there is there a a, you know a larger issue here that could involve possibly even millions of employees and thousands of employers that that is drawing groups like the chamber of commerce into this thing or is this just an isolated uh, individual case of one really bad plant with really insane management
4: well, I think we've seen, you know, that there were cases around the country where Tyson and other meatpacking plants are raising similar arguments. But I think the the biggest victory so far is that Tyson's argument that they somehow were immunized because of the, the fact that the president had tweeted a few times, uh, that would be really dangerous and really could have been used by all sorts of industries and companies to protect, um, to prevent cases from even going to the merits, for, to prevent courts from even looking, okay, what were the facts on the ground at this plant? Tyson wanted to shut that down before families even got to make their arguments, got to do discovery, take depositions, make an argument before a jury. And so hopefully, you know, this, this will allow these cases to at least go into the facts as opposed to this just blanket cutting off the cases at the get-go.
2: I think people are uh, probably most people are familiar with the the charges that have made about um, not entirely unlike this about working conditions in, for example, Amazon warehouses um, or in uh, some parts of the fast food industry, uh, where you know people through the pandemic were working and in some cases working in conditions that at least those workers didn't consider safe, and they were using those uh, you know the Amazon folks down in Alabama, as I recall, as one of their uh, arguments toward unionization. Are there any cases coming out of non meatpacking industry uh, in, in industries where workers are uh, you know, alleging similar things or where families of, of workers who have died are, are suing or where workers who now are disabled by long covid are suing as a consequence of having gotten infected in the workplace?
4: Yeah, there, there's one case that's currently pending in in the Second Circuit called Palmer versus Amazon, which is out of New York, um, where uh, workers at a warehouse uh, in uh, an Amazon warehouse in New York uh, are suing Amazon uh, f- for failing to take protective uh, measures uh, during the pandemic. Uh, so, so, I mean, one of the barriers that a lot of these cases face is a lot of times these cases have to go through workers' compensation um, systems, and that's going to be on a state-by-state basis. But uh, in many states, you, you can't bring a, a lawsuit against your employer. Um, you have to go through the state administrative remedy and go through the workers' comp system, which you know is, is its own nightmare for so many people. Meatpacking is probably going to be the largest that we see in this area because, you know, meatpacking plants were the sources of some of the largest outbreaks in this country. So um, I'm aware of meatpacking cases coming out of Texas, Iowa, Nebraska, Pennsylvania, uh, each one with thousands of folks. Remarkable.
2: Remarkable. Adam Pulver, an attorney with Public Citizen, citizen citizen.org, public underscore citizen on Twitter. Adam, great talking with you. Thank you so much for the great work you guys are doing and for dropping by. Thank you. bye Thank you. Great, Great talking with you. So thoughts on President Biden's speech, thoughts on the future of democracy in America, thoughts on whether Manchin and cinema are going to go along with this or not. We have basically two ways that this might resolve in a favorable direction. And by favorable, I'm talking about maintaining democracy in the United States, in our constitutionally limited democratic republic. And it is. I mean, it is constitutionally limited. Powers of government are limited by the Constitution. Remember when Obama was running for president in 2008 and he said the Constitution is a negative statement of government rights? What he meant, and he was attacked by the Republicans, what he meant and what he clearly said was that the Constitution limits the power of government. That's a good thing. So we have a constitutionally, li- and that's the whole Bill of Rights, I mean, you're know, basically constitutionally limited, democratic, republic it's a democratic it's actually a constitutionally limited representative democratic republic that is to say we use democratic means elections so that the will of the majority puts into place representatives who conduct business the business of government on our behalf in the context of a what's called a republican form of government or a republic which is you know a nation state that is that rests on the rule of law so that's what we have. So the two ways that I think this could play out. Number one, Joe Manchin buckles under the pressure. The pressure right now has got to be insane. The president of the United States called, called him out. Uh, members of his own party are calling him out. He's, uh, there are reports that he's saying, well, maybe. Now, if he goes... Kirsten Cinema, who has been, you know, funded by the bright-wing billionaires and, and and big corporations, and she's been saying, no, no, I won't go along with this. Probably she will buckle if Joe Manchin does. I don't think she wants to stand alone. I don't think she wants to go down in history as the one person, as Strom Thurmond, as the one person who fought against civil rights and voting rights. It's possible, but I doubt it. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is that a couple of republicans stand up you know there were thirteen republicans who are today in the senate who voted back in two thousand six when george w bush asked that the that the that the civil rights the voting rights act be renewed this was before it was gutted uh... six years later in twenty thirteen i think it was in the shelby county decision maybe it was twenty ten but um... you know it's relatively recently that the supreme court gutted that 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 act and And George W. Bush was president, but there were 13 Republican senators who voted for it, who are today sitting in the Senate. And so if Joe Biden can convince Mitt Romney or Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski or some of these guys who just came out and said, yeah, Trump didn't win the election. The the people who absolutely have safe seats. Right. John Thune. Nobody's going to take him down. Mike Rounds, you know, South Dakota, North Dakota, they, they, these guys do not have to worry. They don't have to, to, to lick Trump's feet. And they've stopped doing it. In fact, I'm going to get into why I think that's the case in the next hour, because I think it's a more bizarre story than anybody realizes. But, but anyhow, so that's, that's the other possibility, is that if Manchin and Cinema continue to hold out, there may be a couple of Republicans who come along. The bottom line, we're going to find all this out at the latest next Monday. And and since next Monday is Martin Luther King Day and a holiday, I'm guessing we're going to find this out tomorrow or the next day. So we'll see when Chuck Schumer decides that he's going to put this thing for a vote on the floor of the Senate. So picking up your phone calls, Christian in Glen Allen, Virginia. Hey, Christian, what's
5: up? I watched Biden's speech the other day, and I was more impressed with his speech than probably anything he said so far, and that is only rivaled by maybe his speech on January 6th. But the news media, like you said before, kept on saying, well, this is going to make a difference. Manchin's against and everything else. But that same day, Manchin actually did say, I'm actually interested in reforming the filibuster. He brought up, like, I think three things, and correct me if I'm wrong about this. He said he wants to get rid of filibusters or cloture on a motion to proceed, especially with the committee bill. So you can't just talk yourself to death on a committee bill. He wants to change the threshold to three-fifths of the senators who are in attendance versus 60 right now. So you have to be in attendance to actually vote on this thing. And finally, and most importantly, I think, he's interesting getting the talking filibuster back but with a two-speech limit. I was wondering what your thoughts are about, is this workable for Manchin to be able to get on board if he gets these things done?
2: I think so. And this yeah. would be a way for Joe Manchin to allow civil rights legislation to get passed without specifically going against what he has said in the past. And like I said, I think if he does that, Kirsten Cinema will probably follow. But, you know, the I devil's going to be I think, in the details. I think
5: she's on board with it, yeah. Yeah. The thing about Kirsten Sinema is that, I mean, people forget that she's a freshman senator, and uh, she loves her job seemingly more than anything else in the world, of being in that position of, you know, having a staff that follows her around and does her work for her. So I'm not so convinced that she's going to just, you know, shoot everything down because out of peak. I mean, she she wants to stay there for a long time, and uh, I feel like she's sort of like mansion shadow in a lot of ways.
2: Perhaps. And and if she wants to do that, part of her strategy might be that she's moving toward declaring herself a Republican, particularly if the Republicans mm. take the Senate in 2022. On the other hand, it may be that somebody has sat her down. I mean, you know, look at her vote against the minimum wage. Look at her vote again or her her efforts to to stop. The government from negotiating pharmaceutical prices that just the pharmaceutical prices alone is hundreds of billions of dollars in profits to the pharma industry so it would be nothing for them to say to kirsten cinema hey stay with us finish out your term and you're going to have a job as a pharma lobbyist for five million dollars a year with your own private jet and we'll we'll buy you a mansion outside washington dc and you'll be Mm. set for life and that might be, uh, you know, they, know. They, they can easily offer her something more appealing than being a United States senator, with the exception of the status, as you point out. So, I, you know, these are sure. these are decisions she's going to have to make. But, you know, sadly, the Supreme Court, with their Citizens United decision, established this new form of government for the United States, where the highest bidder wins the politician, and then the politician controls things, which is a whole other issue that we've got to do something about. But, Mark, in Chicago, you
3: are on the air. Hey, Mark, what's up? To all of us that will listen to your program, Talk to every single one. Every time you have a chance, talk about our democracy. Talk about Tom Harmon. Talk about the problem that we have. Don't waste time in and mooring that we don't have radio stations. Talk it over with every single one that you know, because if we don't, we're gonna regret it. Talk to the phone person that is on the other line and and talk to your doctor. I talked to my doctor one day. And he say, I am ashamed that I didn't vote, but now I'm going to vote because this man is destroying our country. Every single person that listen to this radio support the program, support every single company, because without you guys, we don't have a country. Thank I, you, you know, sir.
2: thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm, you know, the last guy holding the line here, but, uh, I do think that progressive media right across the board, I know you're listening to WCPT in Chicago. It's one of the great radio stations in America. And, uh, you know, if you're listening, call their advertisers, and thank them support their advertisers. Edward in Sierra Madre, California. Hey, Edward, what's on your mind today?
6: Hey Tom, I hope you're doing well. Thank uh, you, I am just a couple of things, buddy. Uh, first of all, they can't win unless they cheat. We have to, you know, stress that to everybody listening on this on your show. They and the Republican the- Party. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, it, Those, it, it yes. varies
2: from state to state, but yeah, uh, certainly in 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 many states that's the case. Yes.
6: Right. Okay. So my my next thought is, uh, did a survey for California Governor Newsom. He was asking us. What's the most important thing mm-hmm. uh, for him to focus on? And he had a long list. COVID was on him, was on the list. But for me, I chose the environment. Uh, you know, global warming. Just you know, as a as a race, as a people, we don't have a ch- we can't fly to another world. This is right. not a reality. This is where we're at. Yeah,
2: don't look Be up notwithstanding. Yes, I agree.
6: Thank you. And my <laughs> last thought is just a feel-good thought. Uh, my mom, who had refused the vax, the vaccination, and, you know, Fox, the uh, TV viewer, but we stayed on it. Mm-hmm. We stuck with it. We kept pounding her, and she just got vaxxed on Monday. So Thank I'm God. saying, if you if you love somebody, you gotta stay on them. You gotta stick with it.
2: Do you As mind my asking how
6: old them, she is? Uh, she's eighty. Yeah. Eighty-one. Excuse yeah. me.
2: I'm sorry. Yeah. T- t- so, t- a tough age, particularly for somebody who's watching Fox all the time, who's you know who is specifically programming to the over sixty-five demographic, which has been just been fatal to so many people.
6: It has destroyed our family to the extent that. We have to mindfully pick our words, tap dance around issues. It's my mother and my two sisters, I love them, but my God. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Tom. I Thank you, it. Edward. Take care.
2: Yeah, good talking to you. Thanks for the call, and thanks for listening to us on Progressive Voices. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. John in Minneapolis. Hey John, what's on your mind? You heard Biden's speech?
3: I thought it was an excellent speech, but I wonder if maybe the strategy of waiting so long might backfire because a lot of these voter suppression laws are already in effect and unless they get what they want by I think it's the end of the month. A lot of these states it's already they've already set themselves up for winning in twenty twenty two. That should have been a priority from the very beginning, because the whole trust of the Democratic platform that I think most progressives, including myself, wanted really hinged on being able to get the votes. Mm. And, you know, if he would have put more public pressure, I'm sure behind the scenes, he put a tremendous amount of pressure on Kristen Cinema and Mansion. But if we fail... I think then the Republican Party are, you know, they're just going to grab it and yeah. run with that failure.
2: I, I agree, John. I, I, the, the one, There's two possible ways out of this, and they're both distant possibilities, mm-hmm. but very real possibilities. The first is that Manchin caves. And there's actually, in reading the news this morning, there are some reports suggesting that Joe Manchin may be willing to consider drilling a hole in the filibuster for voting rights. If he caves, mm-hmm. I don't think Kirsten Cinema wants to be the only one standing. Um, although yeah. she did, on you know, she did single-handedly kill you know the minimum wage increase. But I, but that that's a small right. thing compared to democracy in America, and there is a large minority population in her state that she has to answer yep. to. So number yep. one, and and this is how I think it's most likely going to play out, is that Joe Manchin caves in and says, okay, I'll go along with this. Number two is if Joe Biden, who, you know, spent all those years in the Senate, if he can get a couple of Republicans to go along and render Mansion and Cinema irrelevant. And there are a few few candidates for that. You know, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski are at the top of that list. But now that you've got a few of these other Republicans who are starting to speak out and take on Donald Trump, um you know it's yeah. not inconceivable that that people like you know John Thune who's from a solidly red state he has, he does not have to worry yeah. about getting reelection he can do the right thing without any political cost whatsoever and that's true yep. uh, you know arguably of Mike Rounds as well um that you know that they might they might go along with it so I, i'm not willing to 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 uh, you know throw the towel in or despair oh, sure. yet
3: absolutely yeah absolutely i agree with you uh, but it's like I'm on the edge of my seat here, you know. It's I like, know. Oh my God. Well,
2: today is the 12th, and uh, Martin Luther King right. Day is, if I'm remembering correctly, the 17th. 17th. Yeah. yeah so that's yeah. Uh, is that a week from today, or is that a week from yesterday? From oh, I that's Monday. Trouble. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Uh, that's a Monday. Okay, I can't do calendars yeah. in my yeah. brain. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Joe Biden says he's going to hold the vote before then. And I think that's going to be the the moment when the world finds out. Is America going to continue no. being a democracy or are we going to be, begin a very, very rapid yeah. three year slide into becoming an autocratic state? Yep. Yeah. 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 John, hope- thanks for the call. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's up?
1: Well, I want to talk a bit about messaging because I don't believe that the democrats don't message well they do have msnbc as a major corporate network and a good i don't know two-thirds maybe three-quarters of those on msnbc the talking heads do uh, pronounce things that are mostly pro-democratic party and what joe biden's trying to do and so on and so forth uh, CNN. I mean, you mentioned uh, that person uh, yesterday, and I think that's part of the problem. I mean, if you have people on network news saying over and over and over again, the Democrats don't message well, well, guess what? You say something over enough, and people start to believe it. So a lot of people say, oh, the Democrats don't, don't message well. I don't know. I look at this past year and Biden's been on TV plenty of times talking about what he's trying to do and what he he has accomplished. I mean, what more what more messaging can one do? I guess I'm even seeing ads on TV pretty much bashing Republicans and what they're trying to do and bringing down America and trying to make it into uh, another version of Hungary or Russia. And, you know, the Lincoln Project, which are a bunch of former Republicans, they're messaging. I see these on on YouTube. I see them, so I'm seeing them on the Internet. I'm seeing them on TV. I don't necessarily, necessarily believe that the Democrats message badly, but I would have to say that the right wing, they have a lot of megaphones. Mm-hmm. They have more megaphones than us. They have a
2: massive media place. infrastructure that the Democratic Party does not have available to it. And they work hand in glove. I mean, you know, Sean Hannity was advising Donald Trump, including, <laughs> including around January 6th. You know, this is one of the, the new revelations, is that Trump would come down to the office in the morning and say, you know, Judge Jeanine says we should do so-and-so, and everybody would roll their eyes. Fox News and much of the rest of the hard-right media are are just interlaced you know george w bush used to every year invite right-wing talk show hosts to set up their microphones on the on the white house lawn i mean the republicans have known since the 1980s the importance of building a media machine that they basically are aligned with if not actually own in large part and the democrats have always thought We'll just rely on democracy, and I think that that's been, you know, a, a terrible weakness. That said, well. Dennis, I think that their messaging is good. It's just not getting out there often enough. You know, Donald Trump made a point of getting in the headlines every single day of his presidency. This is a lesson that he learned back in the 70s in New York City when he was a real estate developer, where literally every day he would come up with something. This was his project for the day. Michael Cohen talks about this in his book. His project for the day. How do I get my name on the front page of the New York Times or the Washington Post? How do I, you know, good or bad, it doesn't matter. For picking up a model or snorting cocaine or or doing a business deal, doesn't matter. How do I get my name on the front page of the paper every single day? And the Biden administration, to the best of my knowledge, is not doing that. And that's the one thing that I would like to see happen. I would like to see, you know, I get it. Jen Psaki is holding press conferences, and that's great. And that's producing stuff on a daily basis. But she is not an elected official. And I think that you know they they need to be pushing forward. If not Joe Biden every day like Donald Trump did, um, Kamala Harris or somebody else who's an elected official needs to be every day doing something that is that is big enough, wild enough, or even controversial enough that it's getting headlines. Dennis, I got to run, but thank you for the call. Your point is well taken. Okay, very strange stuff going on over on the right-wingosphere. Today we had Rand Paul trying to humiliate uh, Dr. Fauci. And in response, very strange stuff going on over on the right-wingosphere. Today we had Rand Paul trying to humiliate uh, Dr. Fauci. And in response, Dr. Fauci pointed out that Rand Paul has a big thing on his website, on his Rand Paul uh, website, that says, Help me take down Dr. Fauci. Send me money. <laughs> right okay so we've you know the grift continues right well the grift continues in some very very weird ways um you might remember dr pierre corey he was on fox he was one of the first guys who on fox a year ago or last year rather who was promoting uh horse deworming medicine ivermectin uh, after this uh, quote study was published out of italy that turned out to be completely debunked but anyhow uh, and, he, and he's always pushing people to go to this frontline critical care alliance, which is actually a fringe group of uh, uh, b- people who believe in ivermectin. Um, and on this website that Pierre Corey, Dr. Pierre Corey is sending people to, they have ivermectin as their first line of defense against COVID. And then they've got this list of second line treatments, including, quote, dual anti-androgen therapy of spironolactone plus either finasterdide or dutasterdide. Now, I'm probably mispronouncing these drugs, but uh, what is this? Well, this is a combination that is frequently used by trans women to suppress testosterone levels. And the levels that they're recommending on this website that people use to treat ivermectin or prevent ivermectin, excuse me, to treat or prevent COVID, are the same as what people use as, as they're going through trans, as, as trans people use as they're going through this transition, and in some cases even higher. Lady Jane Gay uh, is a trans woman on Twitter who tweeted, Holy crap, this is a higher daily dosage of Spiro and finasteride than I, a trans woman, take. ha 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 ha. Transing myself to own the libs. Another one, uh, Ash uh, Dabbeth, I think. It, yeah, Ash Dabbeth uh, on Twitter. Uh, Spiro is, y- y'all, y'all, Spiro is what trans-femmes take to reduce testosterone. I am right now taking exactly two hundred 100 milligrams two times a day. Anti-vaxxers are force-femming themselves. And to be honest, I'm curious to see where this goes. I don't know. You know, if you suppress somebody's testosterone levels enough, does it make them compassionate? Does it make them... <laughs> that's very strange. So that's number one. Here's number two. I don't know if you've ever heard of Christopher Key. He runs this thing called the Vaccine Police. He literally has a a, a play badge, a pretend badge. It looks like a real badge. And he travels around the country going to the offices of Democratic governors who have signed legislation or legislators who are proposing legislation to mandate vaccines or masks. And he tries to arrest them to perform citizen's arrest. That's what this guy does for a living. And he just now has come out and said, he's got the cure for for the the head of the vaccine police, says he has the cure, his name is Christopher Key. He has the cure for COVID. Uh, I'll just give it to you in his own words. This is what he said, quote, The antidote that we have seen now, and we have tons and tons of research, is urine therapy. Okay, and I know a lot of you, this sounds crazy, but guys, God has given us everything we need. He goes on to say that uh, (laughs) you should drink urine because this vaccine is the worst bioweapon I've ever seen. He says, I'm not a medical doctor, and I'm not telling anyone to drink their own urine, but I drink my own urine, and I've been drinking my own urine for the last 23 years, and I'm still alive, this guy says. And then he goes into, and I drink chlorine dioxide, and then he goes into an ad for the chlorine dioxide that he's selling on the side. This this is, like, genuinely bizarre. But I think, you know, uh, uh, by the way, Kia also carries a flamethrower, which he showed off in one of his Telegram posts. According to the Washington Post, he went into a Walmart pharmacy in Springfield, Missouri, along with several of his followers, and yelled at the pharmacists who were giving out COVID-19 vaccines. He says, what you're doing is crimes against humanity, and if you don't stand down immediately, you can be executed. They can be hung in this state. If you allow one more shot at one more person's body, you yourself will be executed in violation of the Nuremberg Code. He yelled at a Walmart employee standing nearby. Bizarre. Then he adds, we don't want that to happen to any of you guys at all. We love you guys. We want to keep you safe. But you will be executed if you keep giving out COVID shots. So just go home and drink your own urine. These are the people that Rand Paul has aligned himself with in his war against Anthony Fauci. It doesn't get weirder than this. If it wasn't so dangerous it would be fun but it's actually killing americans we have the highest death toll of any country in the world because donald trump started this insanity a year and a half ago almost two years ago okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you
1: i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road
2: Tom Hartman here with you. Okay, very strange stuff going on over on the right-wingosphere. We had Rand Paul trying to humiliate Dr. Fauci. And in response, Dr. Fauci pointed out that Rand Paul has a big thing on his website, on his Rand Paul website, that says, Help me take down Dr. Fauci. Send me money. (laughs) Right? Okay, so we've, you know, the grift continues, right? Well, the grift continues in some very, very weird ways. Um, You might remember Dr. Pierre Corey. He was on Fox. He was one of the first guys who, on Fox a year ago, or last year, rather, who was promoting uh, horse deworming medicine, ivermectin, uh, after this, uh, quote, study was published out of Italy that turned out to be completely debunked. But anyhow, uh, and and he's always pushing people to go to this frontline critical care alliance, which is actually a fringe group of uh, uh, people who believe in ivermectin. Um, And On this website that Dr. Pierre Corey is sending people to, they have Ivermectin as their first line of defense against COVID. And then they've got this list of second line treatments, including, quote, dual anti-androgen therapy of spironolactone plus either finasterdide or dutasterdide. Now, I'm probably mispronouncing these drugs, but uh, what is this? Well, this is a combination that is frequently used by trans women to suppress testosterone levels. And the levels that they're recommending on this website that people use to treat ivermectin or prevent ivermectin, excuse me, to treat or prevent COVID, are the same as what people use as, as they're going through, trans, as, as trans people use, as they're going through this transition. And in some cases, even higher. Lady Jane Gay uh, is a trans woman on Twitter who tweeted, Holy crap, this is a higher daily dosage of Spiro and finasteride than I, a trans woman, take. Ha 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 ha. Transing myself to own the libs. Another one, uh, Ash uh, Dabbath, I think. It, yeah, Ash Dabbath uh, on Twitter. Uh, Spiro is, y'all, y'all, Spiro is what trans-femmes take to reduce testosterone. I am right now taking exactly 200, or 100 milligrams two times a day. Anti-vaxxers are force-femming themselves. And to be honest, I'm curious to see where this goes. Uh, don't know. You know, if you suppress somebody's testosterone levels enough, does it make them compassionate? Does it make them, <laughs> that's very strange. So that's number one. Here's number two. I don't know if you've ever heard of Christopher Key. He runs this thing called the Vaccine Police. He literally has a a play badge, a pretend badge. It looks like a real badge. And he travels around the country going to the offices of Democratic governors who have signed legislation or legislators who are proposing legislation to mandate vaccines or masks. And he tries to arrest them to perform citizen's arrest. That's what this guy does for a living. And he just now has come out and said he's got the cure for for the the head of the vaccine police, says he has the cure. His name is Christopher Key. He has the cure for COVID. Uh, I'll just give it to you in his own words. This is what he said. Quote, the antidote that we have seen now, and we have tons and tons of research, is urine therapy. Okay, and I know a lot of you, this sounds crazy, but guys, God has given us everything we need. He goes on to say that... uh, (laughs) you should drink urine because this vaccine is the worst bioweapon I've ever seen. He says, I'm not a medical doctor, and I'm not telling anyone to drink their own urine, but I drink my own urine, and I've been drinking my own urine for the last 23 years, and I'm still alive, this guy says. And then he goes into, and I drink chlorine dioxide. And then he goes into an ad for the chlorine dioxide that he's selling on the side. This, This is like genuinely bizarre but I think you know uh, uh, by the way Kia also carries a flamethrower which he showed off in one of his telegram posts according to the Washington Post he went into a Walmart pharmacy in Springfield Missouri along with several of his followers and yelled at the pharmacists who were giving out COVID-19 vaccines he says what you're doing is crimes against humanity and if you don't stand down immediately you could be executed they could be hung in this state If you allow one more shot at one more person's body, you yourself will be executed in violation of the Nuremberg Code. He yelled at a Walmart employee standing nearby. Bizarre. Then he adds, we don't want that to happen to any of you guys at all. We love you guys. We want to keep you safe. But you will be executed if you keep giving out COVID shots. So just go home and drink your own urine. These are the people that Rand Paul has aligned himself with in his war against Anthony Fauci. It doesn't get weirder than this. If it wasn't so dangerous, it would be fun. But it's actually killing Americans. We have the highest death toll of any country in the world because Donald Trump started this insanity a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. This is, I think, absolutely fascinating. Now that COVID is becoming, well, it's, I mean, the the pandemic, this pandemic is like nothing we've ever seen. It is just burning through this country. Uh, That's the bad news. The good news is it's not killing as many people, but it's still killing people. It's still causing people to require hospitalization. You know, some people get asymptomatic cases. Some people get the sniffles and some people get knocked down with what they've described as worse than the worst flu I've ever had in my life. But they are coming through on the other side. Now, whether they're going to come through with long COVID, whether that long COVID is going to include the 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 you know some of the more concerning symptoms like you know cardiac insufficiency, lung problems, lifelong lung lung problems, um, impotence, um, dementia. Uh, one of my best friends I was talking to a couple of days ago on the phone, and he he was like, I had you know he just got COVID. Uh, by just I mean like four or five months ago and uh, he said he had he had worked his way and he's he's uh, in his late 60s and he had worked his way up to the point where he was running 5 miles a day and he said since i had covid i can't run anymore and i get these horrible muscle cramps that's long covid that's a very mild case of long covid but hey if you can't exercise the deterioration starts setting in so there's you know some legitimate concerns about this And high school students are not unaware of it. They can read the newspaper and and the scientific reports just like everybody else. And so now uh, this from uh, uh, MSN, uh, students from the Oakland Unified School District have threatened to strike and not attend in-person classes unless the the district reverts to uh, remote learning or complies with a list of health and testing demands that they've laid out, which includes a KN95 mask for every student, testing at least twice a week, expanded outdoor space for lunchtime so that they can eat uh, you know, safely. And the, they, they published this online petition. It's been signed by more than 900 Oakland Unified School District students. It says, quote, there's a lot of concerns regarding safety measures and how to protect us from COVID-19, especially the highly contagious Omicron variant. We must go back to distance learning until the cases go down again. And then they go on to say that if the district doesn't respond to their demands, that they will go on strike to get, quote, until we get what we need to be safe. The students have given the school district one week. They have until Monday of next week. Uh, And if not, they're going to start boycotting classes. They're going to hold an in-person strike outside the district headquarters on January 21st. They're going to boycott classes starting next Tuesday. Um, On Tuesday of this week, the district appeared to respond yesterday to the health and safety concerns by announcing that they had uh, distributed uh, KN95 masks to teachers and ordered 200,000 masks for students. This is a district that has 50,000 students in it. And also said that they are providing two HEPA filter air purifiers for each classroom and that they're going to expand covered outdoor lunch seating. Now, they haven't yet met the students' demand for twice-weekly testing, but, you know, this is a start. On Friday, at least, uh, this uh, article reports, on Friday, at least a dozen of Oakland's 80 schools were closed by a a teacher sick-out when more than 500 teachers called in sick. This was not the union. And many of these teachers were actually sick. (laughs) You know, it's... Uh, but the teachers are also demanding more health and safety measures. This is, you know, we talked with Dr. Eric Feigelding about this yesterday. Buildings have to start changing their HVAC systems so that when the air goes from one office to the next or one apartment to the next, it passes through a filter and an ultraviolet light, which will kill viruses. This is not rocket science. This technology has been around forever. Well, not forever, but it's been around for decades. We have one right here in the studio. It's sitting right next to Sean. It's a HEPA filter with a UV light in it that will kill any virus that passes through it. And it was like, you know, 70 bucks on Amazon. We're not talking hundreds of millions of dollars here. But building these things into the HVA systems, that is going to be more complex. But it's something we have to do.
6: You've been listening to Tom Hartman.